Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. Hey, good evening. How are you doing tonight? Not bad, not bad. Not great, but not bad. Uh, great to be with you. My name is Lucas. If you're new, new-ish, if you haven't been around in a while, I just want to welcome you to church. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, you've joined us tonight at 6 p.m., which is awesome. This is Coastline Nights. This is a place where, obviously, uh, many adults come, and we continue to support and push and make sure we're speaking to that demographic. But again, no matter what age you find yourself in, you are welcome here. And so I'm hoping that it encourages you tonight. We are in week number two of a series called Fear Not. Fear Not. And the, really, the heartbeat of this series is not to, like try and pretend like fear isn't real. Of course fear is real. We all have fears, right? We talked about it last week. There's weirdos who are scared of spiders. You're bigger than it. Just step on it, right? Um, but there's, there's real fears. There's things happening all the time in our life. And the goal here is not to say that fear isn't real. The, the goal of this series, the heart of this series, was to say that despite fear, God actually calls and commands us to fear not. And how do we actually like wrestle with that tension in everyday life? God says, listen, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome. Meaning, you will have fear. There will be moments where you feel afraid, but I will go with you. I will be beside you. Don't be discouraged. I will walk hand in hand into the, into the fear. Whatever it looks like for you, I do not leave you alone. And that's the encouragement. That's the realization. That's why he says you don't have to fear. It's not because there isn't fear. It's because wherever you go, God says, I will go with you. And so we were starting the series in Joshua where he has um, he's been commanded to be strong and courageous, to take the promised land. Uh, the Bible says that he basically was told to be courageous, then be very strong and courageous, then obey the word of God, and then go into the promised land. And so he kind of starts that journey. He, he starts that moment of leadership for himself. And so that's where we are. We're now in Joshua 2. Um, title tonight is Facing Fear, Facing Fear. What does it actually look like to face it, to come up like right up against it? Um, it's good to know and understand that we go with God, but what happens when that moment really takes place in our everyday life? And so that's where we'll be. Joshua 2, it's gonna come up on the screen. I think it's page 170 in that blue book in front of you. Uh, it's the Bible right there. You can grab it, walk along. Before we do that, I wanna share a story with you though. Recently, um, I think it was two weekends ago now, I was trying to sleep in. Um, I, what's a good sleep in time nowadays? Like 10? Is that like, a, is that like a sleep in? What's a, yeah, I'm getting some nods, like 9.30. I don't know what, I have kids, so we don't, we don't do that anymore. Um, it doesn't happen. If you're, if you're like young and married and you want to have kids, just know you will never sleep again. That is 100% the truth. You will never, you will never sleep in ever again. As long as you're okay with that, be fruitful and multiply, okay? But as long as you know that truth, that is the truth. And I told Bo when he came in my room, and they came in, like, it was like 5.57. 
uh, oh, that's like a normal day. So I was like, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's Monday through Saturday. And so I was like, go away, get out of my face. Like, stop poking me, like go downstairs. And Georgia came in right after, Bo woke me up. I don't care, go away. Like, I just wanna see like 6.30. I just wanna see a seven. That's all I want, Lord. And so I basically was like, go downstairs, grab some Cheerios, put on a show. It's Saturday, I am not responsible for you yet. <laughs> like, that's kind of how I felt. And so I told them to go downstairs and they went downstairs and Georgia, sweet Georgia, my favorite child, she like took, she, she, she did such a, she grabbed the Cheerios, she put it in the little cup and she grabbed her favorite blanket and she watched her show and she did her thing. And I came down like half an hour later, 6.30, cause I couldn't sleep, of course. And I walked downstairs and there's Georgia, like I said, Perfect, wonderful girl. And beside her was Bowman, who was like, who he was lean, you know, he reminded me, he was leaned back and he literally was like, you know, like a boomer at the beach in Barbados, like he's like way back, belly out. And he was like, oh, hey dad. And I kid you not, shirts off. He has not like the little cup, not the big cup. He had the Tupperware size brown sugar bowl. He had gone to the baking spot pantry, pulled out the baking sugar, like, like not the, excuse, the brown sugar, like, like the whole container of brown sugar. And he went and grabbed, you know, the serving spoon your mom's got, right? For like the carrots at Thanksgiving. He grabbed that spoon, which is bigger than his mouth. You can't even fit it. And he was literally just, oh, just scooping brown sugar, like, boom. Hey, dad all over his body. Like, it looked like little chest hairs or something. It was like all over in the crevices, down the pant. I don't even got in all sorts of places. It was all over the couch. And I was like, Bo! Like, I was instantly so not happy. I was like, Bo, uh, what are you doing? Like, I said, Cheerios. Like, not, like, brown sugar. Like, it's everywhere. And those who are laughing, you never clean brown sugar up on a couch. It's not that fun. It's like, it's not that fun. It's not like it vacuums perfectly, like you're like scraping and Trina's like, why is the vacuum on at 6.30? I'm like, cause your son. Like, that's when I start just saying it's yours only. Um, and it was crazy. And finally I like pull him aside and I'm like, dude, like, what are you doing to dad? I don't even have coffee in the veins yet. Like, come on, man. And he's like, dad, I'm sorry. Like, I just really want, I'm like, I know. And he's like, dad, it was just so juicy and so tasty. Like juicy? Is that a steak? You don't get to say, what are you talking about, man? He was like, I just had to have it. You know, it's funny. He's done this before, but with chocolate chips at six in the morning. Like the kid is me anyways. And I think for Bo, like, bless his heart, right? He's four. I'm not going to get so mad at the guy. I love him to pieces. You guys, I don't need any more emails that I actually love Georgia more. It's not like, I'm teasing. She's just more obedient. She's older. She, she gets it. That's all. Relax. I love my son. But he, he has this innate, like, when he wakes up, food. I need a hungry. Bo hungry. Bo man food. Like, he needs, he needs it. And rather than coming upstairs, coming to dad, dad, I know you're tired, whatever. Can you make me some oatmeal? That's what he wants. He wants oatmeal and brown sugar. Everyone, oatmeal, brown sugar, blueberry. That's what he wants. Rather than doing that, he goes and tries to just fill his need, fix his need. He doesn't want to be in a moment of hunger. He doesn't want to be in a moment of want or of need. So what does he do? He tries to fix that need. He tries to fill that want. And I think for us often, because tonight we're gonna look at the story of Rahab, where she's she's facing both fear of man, of culture, of of kings and kingdoms, if you will, of the time she's in. She's feeling the pressure. She also has this fear of God, which is a good, healthy, 
fear. Often the term fear of God relates to wisdom in the book of Proverbs. It's this awe and wonder and recognition that God is above all, that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, that his ways are stronger than our ways. It's this idea of like, oh, okay, he's, he knows what he's doing and I can trust him. And although I don't always understand, it's a healthy fear. It's an understanding fear. While fear of men is just to cave to pressure. And, and Rahab kind of has both of these things. And I feel like sometimes I have even said, and I have even preached from this pulpit and said, like, don't bend to the fear of man. Like, we need to have a healthy, like, healthy fear of God and not a, not a fear of, of the culture. And yeah, there's parts of that that are true. But I wonder if it's not the tangible peer pressure we're feeling. I'm actually now thinking as I think through this story, as I think of my sweet son, Bo, that maybe we just do not like to wait. It's not actually that the fear of man is more pressure or more tangible. I think if you're a Christian in here, you probably feel like, I know when God's telling me to do something or not to do something. So it's not that one of those is a bigger pressure. We don't want to deal with waiting on the Lord. We don't want to sit and say, although fear is in front of me, I'm choosing faith in God, and that's gonna take a journey. That's gonna be a journey. That's gonna take some time. So what do we do? We don't wanna feel angst. We definitely don't wanna feel anxiety. So we go figure out how to get rid of it and we fill our tummies with brown sugar. You know what I'm saying? We, we go and find the thing that's going to fill us. Is that making sense? Like, I think similarly, we run to the thing that fills us, but you know what's funny? Both still hungry. It's like eating McDonald's. It's not gonna fill you. It's not good for you. It fixes the quick need of comfort. It doesn't actually help you face your fear. And so that's where we find ourselves tonight, that maybe fear of men isn't more tangible. We just, we just really don't wanna feel the angst and anxiety of it all. So we try and figure it out ourselves. But Rahab makes an incredible decision and it actually changes the trajectory of her and her family. Let's get to it. Joshua 2, Rahab and the spies. If you grew up in Sunday school, you would have heard this story. So try and look at it with a fresh lens with me tonight. Can we do that? Are you good? Now you all want brown sugar. I know you're thinking. You're like, get me some brown sugar tonight. Some of you are gonna go home and totally take a little spoonful and be like, that kid's onto something. I like that kid. Boom, man, what's up? Then Joshua, the Bible says, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies to Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho, excuse me, sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman, being Rahab, had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yeah, yeah, the men came, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up to them. Verse six, but she had actually taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men, this is now the guards, set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Rahab, a prostitute in Jericho, friends, not a hotel manager. She, I'm assuming like no one dreams of this job. And so she finds herself in a difficult scenario where I'm sure horrible things have happened to her. Um, treated like a commodity, treated like she has no soul. Women were already treated poorly in this time as secondhand citizens. And so imagine the abuse and pain that Rahab took. And Jericho's location was very significant, actually. In, in a wide place of desert, it was kind of below sea level. And so all this water would kind of flood in. It was known as the City of Palms. Anyone love a little, nice little palm tree in the house? Come on, nothing nicer than a palm tree, right? Four claps, good to know. Um, like, 
it's, it's this beautiful spot. It's an important spot. They had to take this place. They really did. And so she is, um, some spies have come. And rather than tricking them, scheming them, um, rather than you know, alerting the guards, she hides them. She hides them. She doesn't just hide them. In fact, did you catch what she said? She lies. I think that's so funny. She hides the enemy of her king. They come in and she lies to him and his guards. James 4.17 says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do, but don't do it, it is sin for them. Meaning, sometimes we're put in situations where we know that the right thing to do doesn't always look very moral to some outside eye. And so if you fully immerse yourself, take a second and fully immerse yourself in this story for, for one moment, you'll see a Canaanite prostitute, hear me for a sec, is hiding Israelite spies as she's being interrogated by the king's soldiers. Talk Talk about fear. Talk about having pressure. She's got, she's got like her city's soldiers at her door, her enemy spies. They're going to take her land. Like whatever way you look at this, it feels like a loss for Rahab. It doesn't feel like she's getting out of this. She has people who want to take her land from her, but yet she feels obligated to who? To the Israelites? Obligated to who? To the, the guards? Friends, she has one obligation here. And it looks like she has more of a fear of God than a fear of anyone or anybody else. And I wonder how many times we will find ourselves in a similar situation this week, maybe even tonight, maybe even tomorrow. How many times do we have that moment where it's like, I can either bow to, to man and to culture and to this moment, or I can stand strong and I can only humble myself to God. Like for her, like what if they came in? What if they hurt her, abused her? What if they took over her, her means, her, her livelihood? Yet Rahab decides, I'm not worried about the spies. I'm not worried about the king. I'm worried about one thing. Do I fear God more than the kings of my day? That's the question. That's, that's the thought. Do I fear God? Or do I fear the kings and kingdoms of my time, of my day? And how is God asking me to respond to moments like this? She is facing her fears, friends. This is it. This is the moment. This is the spot. And she has to decide, what is it I'm going to do? And I think right now would be the great spot for the preacher to say, just have faith. Let faith rise up. Faith is the answer to all fear. Amen. Close the Bible. I think there's a lot of ways to respond to fear. I think there's many ways we can respond to fear. You're facing fear. Like, we often just think, I just got to have more faith. Sure, Rahab had faith that despite who knows what could have happened if they caught her, she still was going to do the right thing here. And she had faith more in God than any king or kingdom could ever give her. That's point one, sure. Also, what about like discernment? I think sometimes we rush into decisions because we're so scared. We don't want to feel that anxiety. We don't want to feel that angst. Rather than taking a step back and saying, I'm just going to sit here for a, mo for a moment. My anxiety is not just like instantly a condition. It might actually be telling me that something is out of order and I need to come to God I need to ask him what the right decision is to then put this back into order. I just wonder if maybe we need to stop and discern. I think of Daniel, who was faced with no good options. Listen, either you bow down and worship this idol or throwing you in the fire. He's like, mm, both aren't great, right? <laughs> Let me think, you know what? Even if my God doesn't save me, I'd rather go there. He stopped, he thought, he discerned, made his decision. Discern through moments of fear. Don't just rush.
to a moment decision just because you don't like the feeling. Don't just run to the Tupperware. Don't just run to the thing. Like, take a moment, stop and think and ask yourself, God, how are you asking me to respond right now? We can have discernment. Yes, we can have faith. What about Jesus? I think sometimes we find moments of fear. The only thing we can do is literally just sit in humility. God, I have no idea what to do, but I'm gonna get on my knees. And maybe actually you have to take that action in the morning and get on your knees and say, God, I'm not sure what to do, but I'll just listen to you. I think of Jesus in the garden. He says, Lord, take this cup from me. But if not, if not, your will, not mine. It's a sobering thought that even Jesus said, I don't necessarily want this, but I humble myself underneath your will and I'll do whatever you ask of me. I think sometimes we have to be like Paul. Paul actually says like, flee, just flee from sin, flee, run, run as fast as you can. I'll never forget this moment after really coming back to God and, and recommitting my heart. I was back in Kelowna visiting some friends for Christmas and um, they wanted to go to a party. And I was like, yeah, I don't, really don't wanna go. But we went, we, we decided to go um, and we get there. And I was like, I remember, I remember being in Crocs and I'll tell you why, because I was in Crocs, we walk up, they open the door and I just see this party scene. And I'm just like, I do not wanna be here at all. I know God has brought me out of this sea. I want to get out of this area. And I remember just being like, I'm gone. And I just literally like walked and then booked it. I just ran home. I literally remember running. I remember the thought like flee from sexual life. I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm gone. And I remember just running as fast as well. I was jogging. Look at me. Like I was like, I did my best. It was Kelowna in the snow and Crocs. But I remember being like, I'm gone. I'm out of here. Like I'm, and I remember jogging, running, sort of getting home so tired. I just, I just took off. Because sometimes we see the fear and we think, oh, I gotta be strong and courageous. Sometimes, also, I just came out of this and I'm not strong enough to go through this. I'm out of here. I'm heading home. I don't need this. God has not called me to this. Discernment, faith, courage like Joshua, humility like Jesus. Flee, Paul says, there are many ways you can face your fears. Are you hearing me tonight? God is asking you to slow down, respond obediently, not emotionally. Don't rush to fill the need of angst or anxiety. Slow down, talk to Jesus. Verse eight, before the spies lay down for the night, this is verse eight, verse nine, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Shion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. Okay, so she's like, we know what's going on. We've heard about what's happening. When we heard of it, again, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. I love this line. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. This is someone who understands the power and awe and reverence of God. She, she fully grasps it. She's like, listen, I, I, you think I'm scared? of the king of Jericho? This guy splits seas. He tears down kings. If he wants to, kingdoms fall. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, but guards, I'm not so scared of what you may do. I am a lot more in awe of what God will do. And that matters so much. She's well aware of what God is doing. And yet I still have to look at this text and say, yeah, but the cost is pretty high. What if you are caught as a traitor? What if you are caught lying? Like what would they do to her? Like she's, she is in a moment of fear. There's, there's fear all around her and yet she decides, you know what? Something else matters even more. 
Let's read it again one more time. Let's, let's go verses 12 here. Now then, please swear to me. This is her now talking to the, to the spies. Swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family. If you got a Bible tonight, underline that because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them and that you, that you will save us from death. Let me just, one more time, let's like really quick recap here. And then let me share some with you that I think is just crazy, okay? Rahab is a prostitute living in Jericho. And yet, if you continue on in your, in your Bible, you will find that Rahab and her family and her lineage becomes the same lineage of Jesus Christ. The prostitute who hides the spies, the Canaanite prostitute, becomes a distant relative in the same lineage as Jesus. How, how is that possible? Is it because she bowed down to kings? Is it because she just had a great faith in God? Friends, in this moment, she recognizes and fights for her family. Notice what she says there. She said, listen, please spare who? My mother, my father, my brother, my sister, and all of their family around it. Please, I've shown kindness to you. Show kindness to us. I know that your Lord, your God, she even says, your Lord, right, is heaven, is king above and, and on earth below. I understand that there are kings and kingdoms here, but I want to put faith in God Almighty. I understand that what they do may look scary, but this is a God I do not want to mess with and I want to humble myself beneath. She makes a decision in this moment that in the face of fear, she doesn't just change her one single moment, which might change the direction. Like, I know if I make a, a decision based out of fear, maybe, maybe that impacts me and my kids and my wife, maybe my ministry, right? But when you make a faith decision, please hear the difference. Not a fear decision, but a faith decision. I believe it impacts the generations to come. And this is the difference. Please hear me, this is really important. Rather than choosing the easy way out, rather than choosing the quick decision, she makes the hard decision, the heavy one, but she understands that there is something greater at stake here. It's not just her life or her livelihood, it's those coming after her. Our fear decisions may impact those around us, but our faith decisions impact the generations after us. You and I have decisions to make. And Rahab understood that she chose faith in God, not fear in man, so that her kids and her kids' kids and her great-grandkids, and, and all those would not honor kings and kingdoms, which are fragile, but honor God and faith in him, which is everlasting. Are you hearing me tonight? This is so key. Friends, ultimately, Rahab married, married Salmon, an Israelite from the tribe of Judah. Judah, excuse me, her son was Boaz, the husband of Ruth, and Ruth was the great-great-grandmother of King David, as we know in the line of Jesus. Her decision, like, Spoiler alert, Jericho Falls. Destruction is coming to this city, but not for her house, not for her family. Why? Because she didn't fall to the pressure or fear of men. She stood strong with the fear of God, but faith in God to say, I choose you, I need you. Show kindness to me, show salvation to me, and she does the right thing. Joshua had choices to make. You and I have choices, choices to make. And you have to decide, do I, do I want to make decisions in my business, in my work, 
that actually honor God or just care about the bottom line? Do I wanna have, make decisions with the relationships, the people I came with that, that honor them, that are, that are loving to them, that are forgiving and grace-filled? Or do I wanna just kind of live out the peer pressure, the, the fear I have? Do I wanna be vulnerable in my relationship with the people I came with tonight? Or do I wanna continue to put on this kind of fake person because I'm scared what they may think of me? See, Rahab, the reason she makes this decision for her family is because she's not just scared of God or scared of people. You know what it is? It's, and it's almost like, like, wah, wah, like really, that's all? She's scared of her past. She doesn't want to unpack her past. She doesn't want her family to continue on in, her, in, in what she does. She's like, please, nobody in this family like line of work anymore. I don't want the continuation of, I don't want my kids to continue to see what, what they've seen. I don't want more people to come. I don't want my body, my mind, my soul. I don't want this anymore. I want a new life. And in a single moment, she chooses to hide the spies, to honor God. She chooses, I want God to cover this house. I want to be saved by you. I want you to see kindness of God. In that single moment, it literally changes the trajectory of her entire family to be in the same line as Jesus. I, like, it's crazy to me that in one moment she can choose to honor God and everything changes, not just for her, but for her kids and her kids' kids and her kids' kids' kids. Are you hearing me tonight? Man, I, she's fearful of her own past. That's really what it is. And I think for many of us, we'd, be, we'd feel the same. Listen, I don't have a lot of fear in front of me. I know where I'm headed, I have purpose, but I don't like what I have done. I don't like what I've seen. And I think what happens is we don't want to show ourselves. We don't want to talk about those things. And we develop this unhealthy fear of things behind us. Maybe for you, it's actually like part of your family. It's, similar, it's actually very similar to the story. For some of us, maybe we have alcoholism in our family, abuse in our family. And we don't want to talk about it. It's something we're scared to talk about. It's something we don't want to bring up. It's something we don't want prayer for. It's something we don't want to go to counseling for. And therefore, what happens is what? We have this unhealthy, like, uncertainty with ourselves in, in relationship with ourselves. I was even, honestly, I was talking to someone recently about this where they, they had an alcoholic dad abuse, like, like, really hurt them when they were young. And so they developed such an anger and bitterness about alcohol in general. And so in their house, for, for as long as he's always like, no alcohol, ever. Don't even talk about it. If you're at a party, if you go to, even go, to, go somewhere where there is some, if a friend orders it at the table, absolutely not. They're not a friend of the house anymore. No, definitely not. And so they've developed this unhealthy religious kind of moment with alcohol. Why? Because of the past, because of what's happened. And neither, neither way is going to help bridge their family forward, continue their family forward. Friends, we have to deal with these moments. We have to, we have to look at our, at, our, at our past. We have to take a look at these things, our failures like we sang about, and recognize that God is so much bigger, that God's love is so much stronger, that he actually has a grace and a mercy for you and for me that conquers all fear, a love that casts out all fear. It's a perfect love, church. It's a love and a grace that goes immeasurably further than any any sin, any past, any failure. Friends, he took Rahab the prostitute and put it in the line of Jesus. What do you think he can do with you? And we get so scared of our past and Rahab was scared of her past. And that's the, in, the interesting twist is that our decisions, truly the greatest danger to your life may actually be the things that you stored up in your life. 
I think lately I've even preached about this, like we're so worried about the world and the culture. Fair enough, sure. But maybe there's some things that are right here at home in your life that you grew up with that are actually the dangerous things that may actually take root and create bitterness or whatever it may be in your life. And Rahab recognized that. She said, no more. I choose faith. No more. I want to set up my family. No more. I understand that I have a past, but I believe that God can break my past and set me on a new path of freedom, of salvation, of hope, of peace, and of true, abundant life. Guys, that's our God. That's our God. That's a good, that's a good news. No, you don't need to clap just because I asked for it. I want you to know it in your heart. That's all I really care about. I want you to know that he, he sees it all and he says, I choose you. I, I know the whole story and I choose you. I understand every bit of it and guess what? I died for you. It's the whole thing. He gives us the choice. He gave Rahab the choice. He gives you free will to choose him, to worship him, to honor him. And I think sometimes this, this thing about fear, it leads us just to one place and that's isolation. Think of our culture. Think of the time we find ourselves in. I'm sure Rahab did not have a bunch of friends. I'm sure she wasn't like, oh, we love, like, I'm sure it was a hard moment of isolation, of insulation, if you will. Um, you know, you guys know the studies. It's not good. Millennials and Gen Z, we're not good. The loneliest generation ever. 65% of all millennials and Gen Zs are saying, I, I feel sometimes to all the time lonely. 65% say from either, I'm sometimes to all the time lonely. Like, we, we are not great at this whole community friendship thing sometimes. I think we think we are, but yet, man, that's a, that's a lot of loneliness. This whole statement of like, I just can't handle this right now. Can't even. The good old can't even, right? Just can't even. Once in a while, it's nice to say it. <laughs> Feels good. But it is kind of like, yeah, you can. <laughs> you know? If you're a Christian, I don't know if we should be saying that. I just can't even. Well, maybe we should. Yeah, maybe you can't. <laughs> But with God, I think you can. I think we're really quick to just like, I don't want to deal with it. I can't even. I don't want to talk about it. Friends, isn't that just a real like mediocre way of saying I'm scared right now? I can't handle this right now. Okay, let's talk about that. Maybe, maybe you're just scared right now. Of what? My past. I don't, okay, let's talk about that right now. God is saying, I see your past. I know your failure, but you have to trust me. I will go with you. Fear not. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I wanna walk with you. I wanna go with you. Friends, you're not called to live in fear. I can't even, I'm, I know it's hard right now. Rahab recognizes too, facing fear everywhere she looked. She said, Jesus, I'm coming to you. I'm putting my whole family in your hands. I don't want to be lonely anymore. I don't want to be in desperation anymore. You know what's really interesting, and I'm, I'm going to close in a moment. What's so interesting about the Old Testament is, is this constant theme of Jesus that we see. It's called the scarlet thread. And what I love about the Old Testament is this. The, in the Ark of the Covenant specifically, which which the Israelites would have carried. They carried across the Jordan River. You'll see it in Joshua 3 and 4. Inside the Ark of the Covenant are three things. Three things. One is a, a basket of manna. The other is a branch 
that a broken branch, excuse me, that, that budded fruit leaf. And then of course, um, the 10 commandments, which were broken. Why are those three things? And here's why. Inside the Ark of the Covenant are three things that remind the Israelites of their failures. When Moses came down with the 10 commandments and he saw all the Israelites worshiping other idols, what did he do? He smashed them on the ground in anger. Manna, like this thing that they don't even want. They didn't believe that God could provide for them. And so what he said, I'm gonna give you so much manna, you'll be sick of it by the time I'm done. Saying that I, I will provide, they didn't trust him. Again, another sign of their failure. And I don't know if you guys remember a few weeks back, we talked about the sons of Korah, how they tried to take over the line, uh, the, the priesthood of Aaron. And, and Moses said, what's going on here? Like, listen, if you think you're so special, why don't we all go ahead, go grab a branch, break it off, and we'll see who's actually Bud's fruit and who's did. The tribe, like Aaron, Aaron. And the Levites, and because of that, they became the great high priest. They became the line of priests. And so all three of these things, which is so interesting, all are in the Ark of the Covenant, and they all remind the Israelites what? Of their past failures. But what seat's on top of the Ark of the Covenant? The mercy seat. <laughs> Please hear me for a moment. I hope you're getting what I'm trying to say tonight. I really do. God sees your failures. The Israelites literally brought a box all around, not a box, it's the Ark of the Covenant. I don't want to blast me. You get what I'm saying? Like three of their biggest failures of all time in the Ark. And then on top of that, the mercy seat. And then on top of that, like the sprinkled blood, like on top of that shows that there is mercy, there is grace. Yes, he knows your past. Yes, he knows your fears. But friends, he goes with you. Friends, he covers you. He gives grace. He brings mercy. He will help you through it. Are you lonely tonight? He wants to be beside you. His, he wants to be a, an advocate, a champion, a counselor to you. You are never alone if you believe in God. You are never alone if you have the Holy Spirit. He has a plan for you. Your fears are not made to dictate your future. Fear not, for I go with you. Fear not, for God wants to protect you and your family. And that's what Rahab does here. And she sets up a legacy of faith that literally moves in line with Jesus Christ. And it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Our final verses say this. I'm closing now. Our final verses say this. Our lives for your lives. Now they're having, she's having a conversation with, the, with the spies. And she says, the men assured her, if you don't tell what we're doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us this land. Meaning, absolutely, you bet, of course. Thank you for your, for your, for your, for your kindness. So she let, she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there for three days and then go on your way. Now the men said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless we enter the land. You have tied this excuse me, this scarlet cord. Unless when we enter the land, you have tied, you have binded, another version says, this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father, mother, your brothers, and all your family into the house, if any of them goes outside, their blood will be on their heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. I give you all that context. And then in verse 21, it says, Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. One final command as we go from here, you guys. The Bible says that they said, Yes, we will show you kindness. Yes, we are coming for the city. Yes, we will come into the promised land and overtake this place. But yeah, we'll make an oath with you. Absolutely. 
kindness, safety, salvation for your family. But first, you have to tie, you have to bind this scarlet cord to your window, to your home, to your house. And this is where we see the scarlet thread, meaning Jesus through the Old Testament. Scarlet, obviously, the color, the crimson color of, of the blood of Jesus on the cross for us. He says the oath is only binding if you choose to put that scarlet cord outside your window, to bind it to your house, to leave it there, and whoever is in that house will be saved. Friends, I'm sure you can see where I'm going with this. Maybe not. That's okay. There is a depiction here of Jesus saying, listen, if you would bind yourself to Jesus, the scarlet cord, if you would make sure to put yourself with him, if you would make sure that your house, and I listen, I know I'm speaking to some renters in here right now, okay? But what I'm trying to say is, if you would set up your life, your family, your future marriage, your marriage now, your relationships, your friendships, if you would set up your home and you would attach it, if you would bind it to the scarlet thread, the scarlet cord, Jesus, you will find a foundation and a faith that allows you to conquer all the fear in your life. I'm not saying it won't come up, but it ain't gonna hold you back. And, and she, they literally tell her, bind it. Friends, you gotta bind Jesus to your heart. You gotta hang that cord. It's the best I could do. Red, red, red rope's hard to find. Okay, leave me alone. You gotta bind it. I just leave this here for you, even just to, just to see for a moment. Hanging down, spies going down, and he says, Bind it to your heart. Bind it to your home. Bind it closely. Put it together. Let it be known that in this house, this place, my family, my lineage, we're going to worship God. Coastline Knights, kings and kingdoms fail all the time. Babylonians fail. Persians fail. Greeks fail. The Romans fail. great nation, we have a great country, this is awesome, but you can't put your faith or trust, and especially you can't fear men more than you put your faith in God, and I'm asking you tonight to really think about the fears in your life and say, man, the cord of Jesus Christ, if you will, ties me and my family and my future and my future kids and my whatever it may be, all of that together with him. Jesus is the scarlet cord that ties you and your family to salvation, to hope, to peace, to freedom. Or you can choose to worship anything else you like. And that's the ending piece here. This is where we close. You decide. You literally get to choose. Jesus is saying, I'm the scarlet cord. That's what, that's what he represents in this story. He's the rock your family needs. He's the peace. I believe that so many of your hearts may be feeling like you're missing. He is the thing that sees destructive past and patterns. He's the one that saw into Rahab's past and said, absolutely, I can use you. Absolutely, I choose you. Absolutely, your family will find freedom and salvation. And it's by my grace and my mercy that I'm turning fears of your past and making them the faith of your future. Friends, please don't allow fear like to force you to praise the kings and kingdoms of this world, but trust in Jesus. And with that context, I think that's what's so powerful about, about the end of Joshua's life. And I'm gonna skip ahead as we talk here. He says, he says, he has this moment at the very end where he's like, listen, everything is done, spoiler alert. They get to the promised land, spoiler alert. Jo Joshua 6, Jericho comes down and they're divvying up the land. And at the very end, he says this, he says, listen, you can go anywhere. You can worship anyone you want. You can. But many of you have seen this verse. You've heard this verse. He says, but for me, 
my house? Does anyone know it? Most classic young adult response I've ever heard in my entire life. Does anyone know it? Come on, we'll serve the Lord. You choose. Joshua says, but for me in my household, we will serve the Lord. He's saying, I'm going to bind my heart to the scarlet cord. I'm not going anywhere else. There is one God that I serve. There is one God whom I worship. And I'm going to bind it to my house. I'm going to bind it to my home. My kids are safe because I choose to worship God. Almighty, my kids, kids, friends. For some of you who have kids, I know this is hitting more home, and I get it. It's hard to think about it, but I, I promise you now, you're actually in a better spot now. Maybe not having kids yet to to really start to take these steps to say, you know what? Yeah, yeah. The next relationship I'm in, the future like husband, the future wife I'm gonna have, whatever it may be, my household, my kids, we will serve the Lord. That's it. I'm not going anywhere else. I'm not bowing down to anything else. I'm not gonna, gonna trust anything else. I'm gonna trust in Jesus. I'm going to bind the scarlet cord. I'm going to bind Jesus to my heart. I'm gonna make sure that in this place, in my life, that I choose to serve him. But again, you get to make that choice. So would you stand with me? And I, you know, I made some people say this out loud in the morning, but I think I just wanna say it over you as you close your eyes. Would you close your eyes for me? And maybe I can just read this over your life and over your heart. Sorry guys, I went late today. I just, fourth, fourth time of the day. I'm excited because you know this series was designed for this service. And so I just want you to, maybe you wanna close your eyes. You wanna just hear me talk for a moment, but respond. Would you respond please? Tonight is not the night to be shy, please. Tonight is not the night to say, oh, I don't know, but tonight is the night to search your heart, to ask the hard question, to recognize where you're coming from, to be honest about your fears, to be honest about the angst and say, you know what? Yeah, I need to deal with this now, here in this moment, because in a single moment, Rahab's life changed. Her family lineage changed because of who she chose to worship. And you get to make that same decision here tonight. We all have a choice eyes closed across this place. Just consider this. Be, be introspective for a moment. I can choose fear. Or I, can, I can choose faith. I can choose discernment. Or in this moment, I can just sit here and receive the grace and receive mercy and receive love that can shift the entire future of my family. My future family. And again, at the end of Joshua's life, he gives this big speech and he says this, and I say this over you tonight. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites. Again, you choose. Could be this person, could be that person. But, but as for me, as for my household, we will serve the Lord. You make that decision tonight. You get to make the decision. And I just wanna encourage you, there's only one decision worth taking here. With all of my heart, I pray that over you guys. In Jesus' name, right now, God, I just pray over every person here, every family represented, every single person, every person in a relationship, married. God, whatever it may be, 
I pray in your precious name and by your power, we would be a church that chooses to serve you, that in a single moment, if we can, in facing fear, in a single moment, I pray every person here would choose faith in you, God. And I know it's hard and it feels like the long haul, the, the long walk of obedience, but I do pray we choose it. God, I pray we wouldn't try and rush away angst just because it doesn't feel right, but we would sit and receive grace and mercy, Lord, that we would bind you to our hearts, that we would bind you, Lord, the cross into our life, that tonight here, right now, that past abuse, that past alcoholism, that past whatever may be sin that feels like it's holding us back, Jesus, you would break it in Jesus' name. You would break chains that are holding people back from choosing you and love and grace and mercy would fall from the heavens to every heart that needs it. That comfort would come to that person who feels restless, for the person who feels with just perpetual fear in Jesus' name. I pray that you would silence all fear. You'd bring hope and rest to hearts and minds. God, I pray right here that a hundred billion failures, they would know it disappears and that they could respond in faith with hope and with life, that we would bind together, Jesus, all that you're doing in our life and that we would be people who say right here and right now for the generations to come behind us, for the family maybe we don't have yet, for grandkids that we may never even meet, I pray in Jesus' name, we would be people who say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And everybody said, come on, and everybody said, let's worship together. Go ahead, team.